Hi guys, welcome back to the social experiment. It's still myself, CA, and yes, Kai here. <laughs> How are you, Kai? I am doing all right. I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm okay. Hanging in there. <laughs> that has been the overall vibe for 2021. Truly. Yeah. Hanging. <laughs> Gotta keep it together. I know. Try to survive, honey. Try to survive. I think we need to have like an adulting series or like a transitioning to adulthood series because yeah. it is the ghetto. <laughs> Guys, it is so hot. Yesterday, like, okay. <laughs> Yesterday, I sat down and it occurred to me that I was turning 26 next year and I panicked. <laughs> you know, like, I was shocked. It was first shock and then panic right after. Like, it, it just never occurred to me that I was turning 26. I don't know if that makes wow. sense. The realization set and I panicked. I was like, I had popcorn for breakfast today. <laughs> I see other people having babies and everything. And I'm like, really? all people having babies when I'm struggling to keep myself alive. Imagine the responsibility of trying to keep a baby alive when you yourself cannot even make yourself a meal i'm just like my friends are getting married and having children like people well not friends necessarily but like people around the same age group having you know babies and getting married and i'm just here like I i literally have condiments eggs and three green apples in my bed And water, and my water, like, guys, what? This thing is hard. And the pandemic is not helping either. Yeah. (laughs) I had, like, a moment, I think sometime last week, where I was, like, I literally panicked. I think it was a panic attack, where (laughs) I realized that shit has been so bad for a while that I don't think it's going to get better. And I panicked. And I think that's why I also panicked when I thought about my age and my birthday coming up. I was like, this cannot be real. First of all, the time, I don't know where all, I think that's another thing. I don't know where the two years went. Like the pandemic, they went to COVID-19. Girl, two birthdays in a pandemic. I don't know where the two years went. And this year has not been easy at all. Like, I, I do think we need to do the adult series because I, I, I need to know that I'm not the one, only one failing at this. And <laughs> I need someone else out there to also know they're not the only one failing at this thing. Like, we're still trying to figure things out. And I think that's what it's been. It's like, yo, I'm turning 26, but I'm still figuring life out. I hope the 30s are better. But you know what, guys? We are hanging in there. Let's we are. I think, okay, we start, it, it's not as bad. It's, well, guys, it's bad, but 
I, I we're good. We're hanging in there. We're just sharing some dark humor and like you know. Yeah, it could. It definitely could be worse. So yeah, why are we here today, Sia? Do you want to take us off? Oh yeah. So there was this article that I found in the Twitter streets, um, and it's titled "Dear African Abroad." And home is not waiting for you. And I read this article and I found it so interesting because one, I felt affirmed by it, but also I felt very dragged by it as well. Like I felt so exposed and affirmed at the same time. And it's basically about, it's written by Tukondwa. She basically talks about just living, being in the diaspora and our relationship to the continent and how Usually when we go study abroad, we have these big and grand ideas of coming back home to save home and change things. Um, And we often don't realize that home is not waiting for us to come and do those things. And also that there are people at home who are already working. So um, oftentimes we want to have, we come back home and have the savior mentality. And that's what she's trying to like, um, make people realize and condemn um, that the savior mentality of like Africans who go and study abroad and come back home is quite problematic. And it's important that we come back and we listen to the people on the ground who've been living that reality, even if our intentions are pure and that we want to change things for the better. It's important for us to listen and pay attention and work in collaboration with everyone who has been there. So yeah, it was just a good article and I thought it was important for us to talk about and as we explore some of our own experiences with our relationship to home. The article was more of a reality check, at least for me when I went through it. Yeah. Um, I think it definitely exposed the fallacy that is the idea of like coming home and like saving everyone. But also I think it is clearly, well, not clearly, it sort of showed how that idea in itself is just rooted in the education we've received. Yeah. I think it is also, you know, like I think just big picture like taking a step back and looking at it also would sort of I guess interpret it as a critique of the education we've received or I guess it's calling us to critique exactly like okay where is this idea coming from and like okay quick reality check home is not waiting for you yeah they're moving with or without you and it is the, the sort of the project of making lives better, this project of liberation is a collective effort. Yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely agree. And that's what I took from it. Um, so yeah, guys, I think this is what we are going to sort of flesh out, you know, um, just flesh out our thought processes and what we thought of the article. And I really do encourage everyone, whenever you get a chance to take a look. Because it is definitely, I think it's an important read, for sure. Especially as we are in transition periods ourselves. We're getting to the point where it's either we're planning and going home, 
either for a few years or, you know, permanently. I think we're in that process where we're going to be interacting with home or we're going to be home very soon. So these are definitely important questions to be asking ourselves. So for a lot of times, so back home before I left, right? We've always been talking about a change, but more so in a political sense, you know, like home has been, again, for lack of a better term, backward and stagnant for so long, um, following the civil war, that we've always been sort of engaging with home as if there hasn't been any change. And I think this may be just sort of putting it wrongly. I could be wrong about this, but a lot of, again, are sort of elections that we've had that I've sort of experienced a couple of elections where I was like you know sane enough to understand what was well not sane um, where I was like mature enough to understand what was happening it was like this call for change oh things need to change oh you need it uh, we need change and all these things Um, and then you leave so there's already that sort of priming you and then you leave you enter BC and you have more sort of priming and then I think what we fail to realize again and I do think there's nothing wrong with critically thinking or like critically appraising (laughs) the systems that are back home how things were set up back home life is efficient if we're going to say that you know Buses come on time. Public transportation is efficient, depending on where you live, because it's not it's not that here in Europe. But like in the US as well, there are other efficiencies. You know, the fact that a lot of people could work from home was that there were systems in place to allow for that. When this pandemic hit, I couldn't even conceptualize how we were going, how are people going to handle this? How are we calling for lockdowns when we don't have delivery, food delivery? Yeah. Like even like in recent times, we've had like restaurants delivering food. Our address system, like the postal system is non-existent basically, you know? So it's like for folks who need medication, how are they going to have access to that? Mm-hmm. You know, like, Living overseas is efficient. I will say that. And there's nothing wrong with wanting that efficiency for people who live back home. However, I do think as a part of that critical thinking, when we're thinking about the things that don't work, we also have to think about the things that work. Yeah. The things that work well and how do we improve on them further. But also we need to critically think about what we envision and what we imagine progress because you know like I I just because oftentimes when we think about progress we're thinking of remodeling home after the west and I think we tend to do that a lot ideologically speaking socially speaking and I don't think it is always the right move for example, I don't want home to be as individualistic as people are. As, like, I like the idea of community. I like the idea of being as a part of a collective. I like the idea of it takes a village to raise a child. I like those, you know. I 
and I, I don't necessarily, I think that's one of the things about the US that I do not like. It's all about me, 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 me. We rarely ever think. You're rarely ever taught to think about other people and how your individual decisions are affecting other people, the people that you live with in your immediate communities. So yeah, I, I do think there are things back home that work, but I really do think um, in addition, we do have to reimagine and we really do need to deconstruct and critically think about what we are envisioning as progress when we're thinking of changing home what does this change look like does it fit with the kind of society we have back home hey i'm scooping i love that you brought that up because i've been having like conversations with the movement that's happening in Swaziland and this idea of envisioning and imagination and creativity um, that we need to implore when it when we're talking about our current movement, right? And there's like, just like Kai has said, there's like this great pull towards reconstructing our societies and modeling them after existing societies. And in Switzerland, they've been speaking of democracy um, as something to, as a system to um, establish when we remove the monarchy, right? And we're seeing there's various forms of democracies and we're seeing that there's no perfect democracy fair and that a lot of countries, especially African countries are struggling with the concept of democracy, right? Let's come together and use our imagination in terms of creating a society that's not individualistic, that is rooted in what Africa is and the richness that we are. And I think that is very, very, very important in any change that we want to make. Um, I think it's important to look at democratic institutions and see what works and see what doesn't work, and especially democratic institutions in Africa, and um, see our shortcomings but also not limit ourselves, like now this is like speaking specifically to Swaziland, but like not limit ourselves, but also it ties into everything else. Like whatever it is that we want to change, people need to think creatively about the kind of society they want to see or whatever. And I love the fact that you brought that up. Yeah, um, and definitely like even thinking about the situation in Swaziland, the situation in um when we're thinking of Haiti, again, when we're talking about Black people in the diaspora, when we're thinking about South Africa, the conflict in South Africa, um, and I mean, there are conflicts all over the place. Um, even when we're thinking about that and when we're theorizing about back home, you know, when you're sitting in your, your dorm, writing your political science paper about what, what can I think of, um, gender relations in Africa or something along the lines of that. Um, she definitely mentions, she alludes to that in her article, but I think also what is really important, and I think this is very relevant sort of in your current situation. Yeah. Uh, and back home, honestly, it's relevant for all of us, to be honest. Yeah. When we theorize, again, here she says, 
um, even more insidiously, it is easy to assume the role of expert when thinking through issues that are unfolding at home and to forget that I am firstly young, secondly, a student, and thirdly, far away from the implications of any of the political, economic, and social happenings that have me fired up. And I think that is important. I think when we are outside of home and we have all these ideas, and I don't even want to call them radical because half the time they're not radical. Um, we have all these ideas about the changes we want to make, about the things that are wrong. We have all these ideas about people speaking up and speaking out. We have all these ideas about like folks um, folks back home just need to do this. We just need to do that. Whereas, you know, we oftentimes forget that we aren't at the moment suffering any of those implications. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about where just one of the most recent examples that come to mind. Um, and again, where I think it's relevant to Swaziland because you being in Swaziland, the time all of this is hap- happening. Yeah. I think when you're thinking of sort of your role within the revolution and where you stand, I definitely think your approach now and your lens now and your actions now would be very much so different if you were outside of Swaziland because now you also have to face the implications of the the upheaval of the uprising. You're also facing the repercussions of those uprisings, especially when the especially when you're trying to, when the the protests or whatever are trying to like take down the monarchy. Mm -hmm. Of course, that pushback, you're definitely feeling the effects of that. And what do you do when you're facing pushback from people who could kill you, from people who could hurt you in so many more ways than you can even imagine? You know what I'm saying? Like, what can you like what can you do what can you realistically do without harming yourself or others around you mm-hmm. or is that harm that or is the harm like inevitable because you know like they say folks have never the oppressed i think i misquote in this passage, but we've heard about how the oppressed never seek liberation has to come through violence <laughs> folks had had to literally die for folks to be liberated uh, but again that like that's what I'm getting to like what do you do when you are within those same barriers that folk like people on the ground are feeling like when you return back home what do you do when you have to deal with those barriers you know how does then how does that then shape your imagination because a lot of the education we have overseas eliminates us from home a lot of the language we're exposed to, a lot of the languages or the language we're exposed to about our communities, about the place we call home. Mm-hmm. A lot of the ideologies we're faced with because that's not even fun. Like some of, like I have, I've read articles that refer, that use languages like barbaric. They use languages like third world. They, you know, like the language we, they use languages like backward. Yeah. Even big picture aside, like think change aside. That is so I mean, that's, some, that's something I want us to get into because 
I'm still being rocked by that entire thing. And I, I, I genuinely don't have a handle on it. So my favorite line was, and so for any young African like me who's studying abroad and aspires to return, there's nothing quite like coming home to remind you who you are, how small you are. And truly, guys, I will not lie. (laughs) Coming back home is not child's play. It truly isn't child's play because um, in the same way that home hasn't changed, oh, that home has changed and it's not static. Some things still remain the same and those barriers. And I think it's one thing when you're like, so you go abroad, you come, you do all this stuff and you you collect all the information, all the knowledge, you have experiences, right? And then you come back home and it's just, you struggle to reintegrate into society. Um, you struggle to find yourself again. I think also it's just like all the movement over the years. Okay. So like also like all the movement from place to place over the years kind of is isolating as we previously mentioned. And so when you're coming back into, it's just, I don't even know. I I don't think I have the words for it yet actually, but just that line spoke to me and I'm just like, this is something I been struggling with. And just in terms of, you have all these expectations. I think like I'm at a low because you expect so much from yourself, for yourself, for your home. Um, and you're just hit with all these barriers and you realize that actually all the shit that I want, oh, sorry, not to curse, all the things I wanted to do seem so far off reach. Like they all seem so unattainable from this place and I've even like in a place where I am I as much as I don't want to I have to leave like I've set deadlines for myself as to I cannot be here and that's like a privilege in itself that like a lot of people don't get even me being the person who's like I want to leave I still don't have all those steps I don't have that money to finance my moving somewhere else you know and that's a privilege that most people don't get to have that I can just be like, I want to leave. Most people can't even imagine leaving, you know? And, um, but no man, you come back and all your, those dreams and aspirations, everything is just deflated. And the more you keep trying, the more barriers you meet and the more resistance you meet from all the things that you want to do, all the things that you want to change. It kills your spirit, guys, to be quite honest. You just become so deflated. It's the same thing. Like you also, as someone who wanted to come home, Kai, um, go back home. But like the more conversations we have, you're like, I cannot go back home because what am I going to do there? And all the barriers that stop you from going back home. Like like we could live in our countries if things were... (laughs) a bit more kinder and a bit more, I don't know, welcoming. You are no longer outside, but you're inside and you're facing the implications of all of what it means to live back home. You're facing 
the again repercussions the consequences the just I guess implications is the right word um, of what it means to be back home of what it means to be confronted by these issues it is hard guys it is really hard and I think this is where the work comes in yeah and it's not to the outside and to theorize like the theorizing as much as it's difficult in itself um it I don't know I I'm I'm drawn to say it's not I want to say it's safer yes that being safer and when I mean safe I'm not even just talking about just like safety in general yeah physical safety you don't have to deal with the pay cut you don't have to deal with the I don't want to say harassment like sexual harassment because you do tend to deal with that when you're overseas as well but I mean, like, you get what I'm saying. Like, you don't have to deal with a lot of the issues you're theorizing about, which you would have to deal with if you, like, things don't move. And I think this goes back to, like, just, like, home does not run efficiently. Like, you don't know how inefficient things are until you leave and you come back. That outsider perspective, like, yeah. even getting basic necessities is a struggle. And this is coming from someone who, um, who is privileged enough because, again, if I go back home, I am not going to be, I will be the average Sierra Leonean. I don't even know. We don't have, so I'm not going to be working class. Let me put it that way in a way that I understand. I'm not going to be working class anymore. Mm-hmm. This is coming from someone who can at least afford to get toiletries and just like the, my basic necessities. But even when you have the money to get them, physically acquiring the stuff is a war back home. And when you go home and you want to start a business or you want to start an, a social enterprise or you want to start an initiative, like the barriers that are put, and like, and I think this is what kills most people it's like you think again folks come from overseas with this is complex i'm going to build hospitals i want to build this i want to do this i want to do that and then you come home and it hits you and i agree with you on the point that like we usually come in come back in and look down on people who are on the ground and doing the work and have a living those experiences yeah, which is why I'm a firm believer on collaboration as well. I think it should be coming in. I think she even, she said it perfectly. It was the last line that says, um, so whenever it is that you come home, do so with your head bowed, with your ears sharp and attuned to listening. Take your shoes off at the door. Be confident to speak and share the perspectives you've learned. Be quick to listen and learn how exactly it is that home needs you. Like, we shouldn't be the ones coming back in to assert ourselves in those spaces. We should be patient and listen to the people and find out how it is exactly that people want us to help. And in what capacity can we do so? Like, the emphasis was you on you listening and letting the people direct you and guide you. Because at the end of the day, you're not the one facing those repercussions, like I has said. Um, 
as an outsider or as someone who is not here for long, depending on our own personal positionalities. Um, but yeah, guys, those are our thoughts on this article. We thought it was great, to be quite honest. I was yeah. like, I thought it was such a good article. I like yeah, thank you guys for listening. And yeah, it's been a fun time. Let us know what you thought of the episode and of the article as well. And you can also just maybe share it with everybody. We're back really? with and we're very excited. We have big ideas and we hope they don't stay ideas. We hope they don't die as ideas, but we're so excited. <laughs>